Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. that are right, and by your merciful guiding, we may do them. 
You know, these words do make sense. Indeed, all good things do come from God. Because they are from God, our faith and trust tells us that they are right, that they're not wrong. And God is in the midst of all we do. And He will guide us to do them. Because of our faith, we know that God is on our side, just in case we need any help. Alright, so I think that, that takes care of the epistle. I mean, the, the colleague. Let's look at the epistle. Well, it's a St. Paul's letter to Romans. It's about, oh my goodness, it's about Father Abraham. He's the father of faith. Boy, if there's anybody who is faithful to God, it was Abraham. And, and I remember he was going to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And God provided him a ram at the last minute. And Abraham did not lose his faith. He trusted in God to provide an animal to sacrifice, right? And he did, right at the last moment. In a reading further in this lesson, it looks like Paul is pulling out all the stops to prove to the church of Rome how faithful this man was to God. And look, look what he wrote. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, but fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Let me look up the word reckon, because it's not really part of my vocabulary and, uh, and everything that I do. Now, in scripture, it means to take into account. Therefore, Abraham's faith was taken into account by God, and it was justified by God. No wonder he's called the father of faith. And I see there's one more thing Paul wrote that appears to be a reminder to us all of us, about who God is. Let me see here. It says, It will be reckoned to us who believe in Him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who is handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Good point. We believers cannot forget to take into account what God did for us through His Son, Jesus. How we are justified by the cross and by the resurrection of his son. And look, and it's the only way. I think Paul had to put this because he wrote that is to have faith is what we have to believe in, in, our, in Jesus. And our faith is justified through his, through his Father. So as always, Paul's right. He doesn't miss a thing in his epistles. He covers it all. Ah, finally we have the Gospel of Matthew to review and to write about. Okay, Lord, I'm ready. This is an interesting chapter. In verses. How many stories in there? Man, man, it looks like Matthew squeezed in three different stories. The first one, Matthew wrote about himself. How he was called by Jesus to be one of his disciples, even though he was a tax collector. And there he goes. Jesus upsets the apple cart once again. He saw someone special that sparked his faith. It was Matthew, a tax collector of all people, to be one of his chosen twelve, an important role in his ministry. You know, and I, and I wonder if he knew that he would someday be one of our gospel writers for the New Testament. 
Here come Bob B. Scott. Of course he knew. He knew he was one. And all he had to say was two words to Matthew. Follow me. And Matthew did just that. No hesitation. He had faith in Jesus to be his follower. To become one of his disciples. And look at Looked like Matthew lucked out. He got a dinner out of this right away. And at this dinner, the disciples who were there also got the brunt of the views by the Pharisees about why Jesus is mingling with the wrong crowd. You know, it's funny. You know, as I think about this, how many times we read in the gospel that Jewish leaders try to have a private conversation with the disciples in the same place where Jesus is. Like Jesus can't hear what they're saying. Again, he knows what's going on. But they don't give up. And we read that they did the same thing today. And Jesus' response reflects what his mission is for his ministry. And he says the following. For I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus is all about reaching out and saving and healing those who are classed as the outcasts of his day. And let me look at the rest of this gospel. For I remember in, this, this, in the gospel of Mark, I see Matthew is not as detailed as Mark. For Mark, we learned that the leader of the synagogue was Jairus, and his daughter unfortunately died. He sought out Jesus, for he knew about Jesus and his miracles, and was convinced his daughter would live if Jesus just laid his hands on her. And he is desperate, not caring about what the people may think, and in front of a large crowd of people, he falls on his knees in front of Jesus and begs for help. Now, who would not do the same for their child? We will all do that. But what makes this tragic scene unique is that Jairus was the leader of a synagogue. And he is seeking the help of Jesus, who just before the Pharisees were criticized why he mingles with the wrong people. But he did not care. He had faith in Jesus to bring his daughter back to life. And wait a minute, there seems to be a, a right-hand turn here that Matthew takes on another story. Seems like Jesus and disciples are running towards Jairus' home, and they must have zigzagged in the crowd and came to a stop in front of a woman who was, who we have no information other than she was inheriting for over 12 years and sees Jesus, and she pushes further in the crowd, and all she wants to do is this, touch his cloak. Her faith tells her that just by touching him, he will make her well. For she too, too heard about the miracles of Jesus. She had to be desperate, and she did what she had to do. She was able to reach out and touch the cloak. And the amazing part is that even amongst the crowd that must have been touching up against Jesus, he felt that touch. He turned around and he saw who touched him. And he said to her, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. After 12 long years of hemorrhaging and public rejection everywhere she went. She was restored to perfect health. It was the miracle of Jesus, and yeah, yeah, and also, yeah, Lord, the woman's faith 
her faith that made it happen. That looked like Michael Matthew is referring back to what is happening to Jairus' daughter. They all arrive at Jairus' home, and after Jesus took control, he shooed away all the people. He said, go away, go away, leave us alone. And he went inside the home to where the little girl was sleeping and took her hand. And there was that touch, the touching of his hand with her hand. And she was, and she got up and she was healed. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus tells the parents not to tell anyone what happened and to give the girl something to eat. Something Jesus does a lot. He doesn't want to spread the news. He doesn't want the people to know. And, you know, to this day, don't know more. In Matthew, the word spread like wildfire throughout the region. Another miracle by Jesus. But whatever the story both that about this miracle, the faith of Jairus and, his, and Jesus, that his daughter lived. And there's one more thing, as I think about what I just read and what Jesus did. The power of laying hands to bring about healing through the touch of Jesus by through the power of the Holy Spirit. And come to think about it, that's exactly what we do here at St. Edward's as we follow the scriptures. Father Mark, in every service, will ask who wants healing prayers and the laying of hands. Every Wednesday, we dedicate a healing service for those seeking healing and laying of hands upon you and anointing with oil. In our drive-through prayer, that happens that last Saturday of every month. Those who seek healing, we do the same. We, on order of St. Luke, we do the same. We lay hands, we pray, and we anoint them with oil if they so want. Oh, you know, I think I did enough for this Friday afternoon. I think it's time for my traditional snack of pretzels and TV, uh, pretzels and iced tea, and a little TV. And the TV was in there. Can't say what the TV. And I have all day, well, not quite all day, because I have to go to consecration, but I have Saturday afternoon to finish my sermon. And I have Saturday night, and I have Sunday morning. But I have plenty of time to finish. And believe me, I take advantage of all those times. So for us here today, it's time to end our game of make-believe. You're no longer flying on a wall. You're back in your pews in St. Edward. And I hope I gave you a little insight as to how we approach our sermons. And I was watching your faces, and you did a great as a fly on the wall. So give yourself a that one. But knowing what you heard, and I prepared my sermon, was there a spiritual word or theme that was present in the three lessons of my sermon that really stood out? Did you recognize the word? The five Faith. It was faith. And that brings one more question to life. Is there a difference between faith and trust? Because we heard a lot about faith, but also we heard some about trust. And I saw this article. It was written by Pablo Diaz of Guidance. And he wrote the following after watching his mother experience the before and after heart surgery. And I think it's good. And I think it helps us to understand the difference between faith and trust. And I quote, 
It's one thing to believe in God, but another entirely to trust blindly in Him. And it's human nature to fear the unknown. The struggle with placing our trust entirely in God is something we must all face at one time or another. And it boils down to this. Faith is our belief system. Trust is our action. Faith is believing that God is who God says is and that God will, can do only what God can do. But trust takes the things to a one step further. It is making the willful choice to trust that God will do what he promises. It's sort of like the head is our faith and our heart is our trust. That ends quote. But you know it begins with our faith. And the continuance of it never stops. We're constantly building our relationship with God through our faith. And that faith will fortify our trust with God His Son, God and, and God the Holy Spirit. And when we do have this combination of a stronghold of faith and trust in God, that during our spiritual journey, we have the privilege to approach God with freedom and confidence and present our needs to put it into Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.